1: Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
0: Shop now at DietzandWatson.com slash the right way.
1: That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where I lift my hand <laughs> way up in the air and can't Nobody put can it back see down. Nobody can it. <laughs>
0: Were you doing a little stretch? Do you need to do the other side? Yeah, now? I
1: think I need to do the other uh, side, or yeah. I'm going to feel like like a little twisty all day.
0: Oh, morning stretches! No.
1: Uh, let's listeners, why don't you stretch <laughs> along with us? This this will be like the like the radio exercise routine that people <sighs> do in Japan, um, oh. and uh, which is appropriate because uh, this episode is going to be heavy on Japanese food.
0: Yes, we are talking today about dipping noodles.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and. I think I said during a recent episode, we should do a dipping noodle episode, but I don't remember what that episode was or why.
0: Yeah, me neither. Okay. Okay. I'm really glad to be doing this because I have heard about dipping noodles from you for a long time. Uh, I remember reading in your book, Not One Shrine, your book co-authored with yeah. Becky Selengut. I remember reading about Men. Mm-hmm.
1: Am I
0: pronouncing that right? Skemen skimmin skimmit Skim
1: in. skimmin Sk- it's, skim it's it's hard it's hard for me to say like in isolation <laughs> i'll try and use it okay yeah.
0: anyway i remember um reading about it and just this morning i've gotten to eat a bowl of dipping noodles
1: yeah so where where do we even begin so i, I went on i went on kind of a journey yesterday because I, like, asked on Twitter, like, is this only a Japanese thing? So let's let's uh, start by, by, like, defining what we're talking about. Okay. All right. So this is going to be one of those episodes where I talk a lot, and you should interrupt me a lot, because okay. otherwise it's going to be real dense. Okay. Dipping noodles is a way of serving noodles and broth or sauce, where the noodles are served separately, and it you it is a dish that really focuses on the noodles and the noodle texture. And you pick up some noodles with your chopsticks, you dip them into the sauce or broth, and then slurp them. Them up
0: so I'm guessing that the the sauce or broth is going to be more like more concentrated and flavorful yes. than it would be in like a soup context yes exactly and I'm also wondering if this is something that is often eaten like in the the warmer months of the year because the noodles at least as you serve them today were cold
1: yeah I mean it's served year-round in Japan certainly but like I do I do think of it as like something that is especially refreshing uh especially like an udon or soba preparation it's especially yeah. refreshing when it's hot out cuz like the noodles are usually cold the dipping sauce is sometimes cold as well especially oh. when soba is involved okay i made a hot dipping sauce today but it can go either way
0: okay wait are these a, a japanese thing primarily do they show up in other cultural traditions
1: okay so what i found was like i i like racked my brain which makes uh, like a real a real satisfying sound <laughs> like a like a <laughs> kind of sound. Uh And uh, I was like, can I think of like a dish where noodles are served this way outside of Japan? I couldn't. So I asked. And uh, basically what people on the Internet came up with was the the one example that really seems to fit where it's like focused on the noodles and you're really dipping them into an intense, flavorful broth or sauce is Bun Cha Hanoi. Which is uh, uh, bún chả yeah. served in northern Vietnam, where the noodles are served like uh, cold in a yes. bowl, and you pick them up and dip them into a sauce that usually has pork in it, and there's probably lettuce leaves involved also. Okay, so oh, yeah, that's, other than oh, that's that, really good. Like I people suggested, so one person, uh, we have a listener who um, runs, uh, lives in Istanbul, and and writes about Istanbul eats, um, mm-hmm. and said that like if you go to a Uyghur restaurant in Istanbul, you can get noodles as a side dish to go to go with various dishes. Which seemed it seemed like when, when noodles are like interchangeable with other things as a side dish, it maybe doesn't quite fit for me, but it's certainly close.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it depends on whether the, the side noodles are being dipped.
1: Yeah, and because then,
0: inherently dipping noodles, there there has to be a dipping motion
1: there has involved. To be a dipping, yeah, like in there, the if your if your arm isn't going up and down a lot, yeah, um, then.
0: you should definitely be sure to stretch before you <laughs> eat right. your dipping noodles. Um,
1: and one uh, one wise guy named at uh, Jake some noise on Twitter said,
0: "Oh yeah." Uh, a local, local Seattle-based chef.
1: Oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. When bad American Italian restaurants just put the sauce on top of the pasta instead of finishing it in the sauce. So.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's a bad example of dipping noodles. I mean, that's an example of bad dipping noodles.
1: Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> I think we can conclude that like the this type of dish has gotten like its greatest expression and diversity in Japan.
0: OK, well, so hold on. When did you Unless first there's something that
1: I don't know about yet in which please get in touch?
0: We need to do memory lane. Let's do
1: memory lane. Um, do you want to start?
0: Uh, yes, I will start. The first time I had dipping noodles was here at your table this morning.
1: OK, that's what I thought.
0: It is a Monday morning. Right now it's nine fifty two a.m. I think I was probably eating them at like nine thirty two. Maybe And they were delicious Uh, I think that there was Some sort of Little pork pieces Yep And what seemed like Scallions Or was it nagi No Uh, Scallions scallions
1: And and onions
0: Okay Dashi Was there dashi dashi Going on Soy sauce Yep Yep and uh, you used udon, which yep. had a delightful chew to it.
1: Yeah, I love cold udon.
0: It looked like you used the, is it shiraki, shirakiku or?
1: Yeah, I think it was sh- uh, shirakiku brand.
0: Uh, yes, those that's the brand I usually use too.
1: When you get frozen frozen udon, which, which I think is the best way to buy it mm-hmm. for, for cooking at home, it comes in a very satisfyingly, like perfectly rectangular block of pressed noodles that then immediately comes apart when you put it in boiling water. It's delightful. It's great.
0: Okay, so that was the first first time I had dipping noodles and they were delicious. Oh
1: good. I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. them. That was that was a recipe like I I say develop the recipe like I think I probably started with a just one cookbook recipe and and tweaked it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, I will I will share my recipe in in the show notes. It's super easy to make like I started cooking when you got here at like 905 and it was ready by 930.
0: I think my entire family would love this. I'm very glad to know about it.
1: Yeah, like you can Yeah, it's something you can whip up anytime. Like I do. I I do like get the special sliced pork from a Wajamaya. But if I didn't have it it would be fine.
0: Tell me about your first time having – or your okay. memory lane. So I think the first time noodles. I had
1: dipping noodles was at Lark Restaurant, which is not a Japanese Strange. restaurant. But um, friend of the show, Sunoko Sakai, author of Japanese Home Cooking and uh, kind of a soba ambassador, was doing a special soba dinner at Lark. which And it was like soba served like a bunch of different ways. And I went with then three-year-old uh, – no, uh, like six-year-old of the show, December – who mostly mostly ate like crackers and the uh <laughs> and the chocolate madeleines, but had, but tasted tasted all of the soba dishes. And there was like there was like a cold soba with uni. I mm. think there there was like a soba gaki dish, which is like um soba dough that's been cooked without being made into noodles. So so you're really, you're just focusing on like the chewy texture. But then there was a there was also a dipping noodle. I'm sure I made like a sauce all over my shirt which I still do every time I eat dipping noodles and uh, and I was like this is interesting and then I don't think I had it again until maybe the second or third time I went to Japan okay I I think like it's something you can get at uh, Hanamaru Udon for Mm. sure it is. It's just a way. It's a way of serving udon or soba, especially, but then also ramen, which we'll get to in a minute. That's okay. what skimen is.
0: Okay. Okay. So, Matthew, where to begin? Should we go into s- skimen? Uh, let's. God, I'm let's doing talk about history little history because
1: Skimen is something that came along more recently. Like people have been eating udon and soba like this for a long time. So, as far as I can tell, like, I did my best, like, Japanese language Googling and kind of got stuck. But here's here's what I can say with some level of confidence. This style of serving noodles started with soba. And soba started to be eaten in Japan during the Edo period, a.k.a. the Tokugawa shogunate. So, from, like, 1600 to 1850-ish. I. Couldn't figure out for sure like like what soba shops were like back then and how they differed from today, but I am going to speculate that they are not that different than they were several hundred years ago, except that meat probably wouldn't have been on the menu back then. Okay, But there isn't a lot of meat at a, at a soba place typically anyway. There might be like one like meat dish mm-hmm. um, or sometimes duck. By the time of the Meiji Restoration in the mid-19th century, soba, soba shops would have been serving soba with hot broth in soup or as dipping noodles with a cold, flavorful dipping sauce. Okay, And uh, that would be called probably zaru soba, which the zaru is like the bamboo mesh strainer. And so you get like a pile of noodles sitting on this bamboo tray. You then dip them in the sauce and eat them.
0: Okay, it's wild to think. Okay, so that would have been like the mid eighteen hundreds, right? Right. I mean, I wonder like what the equivalent of like a soba shop would have been in the U.S. at that time, like that sort Maybe of like
1: a Jack in the Box, <laughs>
0: like a like that sort of category of like casual but carefully made food.
1: I don't, I don't know. Like, like what
0: would that have been? Like fish and chips.
1: Uh, like when I, I'm like, sure I've what, read a book it? about like the restaurant history of America, but like I, I have no like when I think of like the mid 19th century, like I think of like a shack where like people are like cooking on a wood stove.
0: I just think of like the Civil War,
1: <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: I don't think about food,
1: yeah, but I think they I think people did eat food in America, I think they
0: probably did too during
1: that century.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well maybe maybe we have a listener who will will let us know if there was like sort of uh I don't know, an equivalent in terms of like what am I looking for? Like, like, like a, a easy to stop into shop where you could get
1: Yeah, you're right. There there must have been. Right? Like to get some sort of restorative broth. Yeah, to get a restorative broth. Like yeah, we, we should do We should have just called restorative, <laughs> restorative broths. broths.
0: You know what? I think that, that is um synonymous with bone broth
1: yeah and i think right. that
0: pretty much every wellness blogger has uh, has beaten us to that map.
1: bone broth bone
0: broth <laughs> uh the okay.
1: sauce for for like a dipping soba or udon is made with dashi sake mirin and soy sauce and usually garnished with scallions and you can buy this sauce commercially like the sauce the same base sauce that i just made you can buy in a bottle at a wajamaya or any grocery store in japan it's called minsuyu, which which just means like noodle dip okay and the bottle versions are pretty good hmm. uh because like you know there's no there's no reason those ingredients would like go bad in, and sometimes it, start, it comes in a little carton, which is very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And like last year, I was ordering some comics from Japan, and I discovered a series called Mentsuyu Hitorimeshi, which means like cooking for yourself with mentsuyu. And it is about <laughs> a, like these two women who work in this office, and they're sort of like friends, sort of like frenemies. One of them uses bottled mentsuyu in every dish that she makes, and the other one thinks this is this is just like unacceptable. You know, no human should eat this way with with uh, you know processed foods and like so you obviously the, the woman who uses the men to use the hero and like teaches the other woman how to chill out
0: oh, this is fantastic <laughs> i love this yeah
1: so i i realized i had not thought about this i read the first one and then i forgot but there are several more in the series i think i'm going to order the rest
0: so matthew when you served dipping noodles this morning you served the noodles on a plate yeah and the dipping broth in a bowl is this how it's traditionally served
1: yeah i mean the plate might be might be a bamboo tray but other than that yeah
0: okay that's okay. it.
1: When soba is served for, for dipping, it's uh, it's usually on the bamboo mat, um, and it's usually topped with some uh, shreds of nori, mm. um, which is very nice. Interestingly, like, I think of soba, like, like, there is kind of a thing, like, especially in Tokyo, like, soba is considered, like, a, a classic Tokyo food, and so there's, like, a long tradition, and every soba shop wants to tell you, like, you know, they were established in 1811 or whatever – Udon is older than soba.
0: Oh, Um, okay.
1: But you know, because it comes from Western Japan, like it's not as like culturally central. I think because like Tokyo and Tokyo history and Tokyo stuff has long been such a focus in Japan. Okay. Um, But uh, making things with wheat goes back further than than making Making things things with with buckwheat. Okay. Um, But. Like once udon became popular throughout Japan, which I think happened in the 20th century, like then especially casual like udon and, and soba shops tend to like offer both. And you just choose like, you know, I'm going to get the uh, the hot the hot broth with like some fried tofu and I'll go udon on that one.
0: And this could be like the noodle stand that is across from Nakano Station. Yes, say. exactly. Okay.
1: okay. Which does not serve dipping noodles, I don't think, because it would be too messy. But because it's like, a, you know, you stand like shoulder to shoulder with other people like slurping your noodles in the morning oh. before work.
0: I wish we could go there now. Um, Someday. Okay, so so what about, so the specific name for, like, dipping noodles with soba would be Zaru Soba. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is there a specific name for
1: udon? It's Zaru Udon. Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. So what about, you mentioned ramen noodles.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is one of those dishes that, like, Everybody seems to agree on like, like the moment of its creation, like within a range of a few years and like, Whenever I hear that, like I get skeptical, like you know that uh, usually there isn't just like one genius who invented a dish that uh, that everybody loves. But let's go, let's go with the story and okay. like see see who pushes back on it. So there was a chef named uh, Kazuo Yamagishi, possibly in 1955 or possibly in 1961. He was first working at a restaurant called Nakano Taishoken, which is uh, south of Nakano Station. Uh, okay, so very near where we've stayed in Tokyo. Okay, he then like for the rest of most of his career uh, worked at uh, the uh, Higashi Ikebukuro uh, branch of the same uh, of the same restaurant. Okay, so like uh, so a different couple, different neighborhood, couple miles away, but still in in western Tokyo, and. He was inspired by Zaru Soba to like use like leftover ingredients from his ramen shop, maybe first as staff meal, according to some stories. Maybe he he, uh, like and then put it on the menu to like make a dipping noodle, but using, you know, ramen instead of soba or udon and ramen. Like the difference is like it is a wheat noodle like udon, but it's thinner and has like a much chewier, snappier texture because it's made with an alkaline salt.
0: OK, OK. And but this is like kind of a recently popular thing, right? Yeah. This is not so, like an old.
1: Right. So so it goes back to the 60s or maybe 50s, but then like exploded in popularity in the 2000s. Oh, okay,
0: like, wow. Be, okay. Before
1: that, like my impression is before that you would not say to your friends, like, let's go get skein Whereas, like, that would be an incredibly normal thing to say today. Because your does, friends would be like, what? Like, they only serve that at, like, four places, and I've never heard of it.
0: What does that word mean? I mean, like, did that word exist before there were ramen dipping noodles? <laughs>
1: that is a really good question. So, uh, tsukiru is to dip, and men is noodles. So, oh, it's, it's okay. just dip, dip, dip noodles. noodles. But, so, but that, that word was not, as far as I know, used as a generic term for, like, dipping soba or udon. Okay. I don't know. Okay. At the time it got popular, then, of course, people started making different styles. I think probably the most popular popular so the, the one that that Yamagishi was making was was really based on like a shoyu ramen so mm-hmm. so like maybe the the dip was like a little a little thicker than a shoyu ramen but like you know rec- recognizably like like uh, soy sauce forward and, and not like super thick okay then what became popular was a thick style of, of skamen made with like a tonkotsu like a pork broth or um, sometimes a chicken broth sometimes uh, sometimes with fish ingredients also and cooked down until it is thick
0: i mean would this be like like peanut sauce thick
1: not quite, but verging in that direction.
0: Wow, that must be so flavorful.
1: Yeah. So like I've had this at a few different places. There's one in Nakano that I really like that I may the name may jump into my head. There's a really popular chain called Rokurinsha. There uh, and then there's a standalone place in Shinjuku that I've been to several times called Funji, which means like the wandering samurai. And they like, in my opinion, really like perfected this thick style. What, what do they do? Okay, so it is a chicken-based soup that is that has been like cooked down, and then uh, like they put some some like chunks of pork in there. You can get like a, a, a soft-boiled egg optionally, and then the uh, they do this cute thing, which I don't think they originated, but uh, you can see it at other places. But they put a uh, a square of nori, and then. Some powdered fish flakes mm-hmm. just floating on there, okay, and uh, which looks really cool. And then you mix it all together so that adds even like more umami. And then you get these really thick ramen noodles, and you like can how, choose like
0: how thick, like compared to
1: not as thick as the udon we just had. So maybe like halfway between like a typical ramen noodle and the udon we just had. So like I don't know, like maybe. a quarter inch to uh, no. a third of an inch, maybe a third of
0: an inch. No way, dude. You mean like a eighth of an inch? No. A third of an inch is is thicker than the udon we just had.
1: Okay, you're right. So maybe like maybe like a scant quarter of an inch. There, there's okay. some thick noodles.
0: Wow, they're, I can't I'm probably, even imagine that. Like I'm
1: probably exaggerating the thickness as I do with a lot of things. But and, uh,
0: <laughs> and are they, you know how ramen noodles generally have like a kinky texture to them?
1: Yeah. Are so they kinky? They're not kinky. I mean, th- you can get skin in with, with kinky, which I think is called chijiti um okay. but the ones at the ones, ones at Fungi are not, and typically when they're really thick, they're not kinky. Okay. So then you get these noodles cold, the broth is hot. Okay. And it comes in like a dipping cup. <laughs> you pick up the and you can you can choose like what quantity of noodles you want, and it the, the price does not change. Because you get the same amount of dip, but like maybe and but it's more than enough for like a medium serving of noodles. Okay. And okay. we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But you can like choose like like mori, which is like the big ass serving if you're really hungry because you're a college student, or you can get like a small one. I usually get the regular. And you pick up these cold noodles, which have just a wonderful chewy texture, and you dip them in in the hot dipping sauce. And like at the beginning, you're enjoying like the contrast between mm. the hot dip mm-hmm. and, uh, and the cold noodles. And then as you keep dipping, the sauce, of course, cools down pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, some people I've heard like complain, like now I've got this lukewarm sauce. I think it's great. I love like the whole journey.
0: So when you finished, you still have sauce or like have you like cleaned out the bowl of sauce?
1: You have not cleaned out the bowl of sauce. And then there is on sitting on the bar there is uh what's called wadi soup which means like dilution soup it
0: Sounds like you're saying watery soup Yeah
1: well that's what it is like <laughs> oh, okay. it's, it's a very very uh light dashi mm-hmm. that you just pour and it's hot uh it's in like a like a kind of thermos, thermos pitcher and you pour it into your leftover dip which would be too it's too intense to like slurp directly uh-huh. so you you dilute it and then you can drink it Like a still very hearty broth.
0: This is brilliant.
1: Yeah, it is so good. Wow, Um, that is not something I would try making at home. I I just like dream of going back to Funji and getting some.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClair knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills.
1: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ever been to Delaware? If not, now is the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. So, Matthew,
0: do you make, well, obviously you make this at home. You just made some for yes. me. Do you pretty much always make the version that you made this morning?
1: Pretty much, yeah, because I really like it. So you
0: mentioned you don't always have the particular pork that you used this morning. What was the pork you used?
1: So it's really, it's like thin sliced pork belly for a hot pot that's unseasoned. Like you could use bacon. You'd probably want to like scale back on the soy sauce a little bit so it doesn't get too salty. Wait, 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 hold
0: on. You get that just at like QFC?
1: Oh, uh, uh, Wajamaya
0: oh I was gonna say like do you I, I was like I cannot imagine going no. up to the butcher's counter at QFC and being like I need thin sliced pork belly for hot pot that would not I, I just can't. now I
1: want to try it and see what happens they do no I, I don't think they would be able to slice it that thin they do they do sell fresh pork belly at QFC but okay
0: but when you go to Uajamaya you you they've got pork belly and you say you want it thin sliced for hot it's pot it's already
1: packaged thin sliced. they have a section of hot pot oriented uh okay. meats that are thin sliced usually I think they freeze them and like you know shave them thin okay so it's really thin i like then i cut it up into bites and uh and just saute it okay and then toss in the onions and scallions and brown those a little bit and then throw in the soup base which which i've made like while this other stuff is cooking just from dashi powder water soy sauce mirin and sugar Okay. And oh,
0: that's so good. Yeah.
1: And then, and then, yeah, like the whole thing comes together in less than half an hour and it is incredibly good.
0: I also noticed that while the the dipping sauce was flavorful enough to coat and, and season the noodles, it was not too flavorful for me to at least drink most of it when yeah, it was. Absolutely. When this it is, was yeah, absolutely.
1: This is not like a thick. Game and style okay. sauce. This okay. is one that, that uh you can slurp. Okay, you if you want to make this like the best, you can make it with udon or soba. I will include the the uh, recipe in the show notes in your podcast player. The best way to buy udon and soba for cooking at home is frozen. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is going to get you the best texture. But if you can't get that, and you and you get can get dried udon, that'll work great. What if, about the refrigerated stuff? Refrigerated kind of work fine. Like I find, I find that that one is often often like trending on the mushy side. Mm, okay. um, but uh, you know what? It's still going to be good. You know, if you have some like other non-Japanese noodles still, it'll still be fine.
0: I have a question for you about boiling udon. So, you know, uh, as I mentioned, I buy the same package yeah. that you buy. And so I bring the water to a boil, drop, let's say, just one package in, mm-hmm. let's say. And at do least you take
1: the plastic off. first. Uh, <laughs> do you
0: take the plastic off. Yeah, that would be step one. <laughs> so like you, I have an electric stove. Only I think my stove is even shittier
1: than yours. Okay. Yours is
0: a f- five burner.
1: Four burner. Four where, burn- where would the fifth burner be? Maybe in the middle. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there would be a fifth burner in the middle.
0: Okay. I have a four burner <laughs> as well. Mine has one fully functional burner, one that only works on medium, high, or lower, okay. but never gets as hot as the first one. Then I have a second, like, smaller one that works I feel like this is the beginning normally. of a
1: word problem. And then,
0: <laughs> anyway, I, I basically have two functional burners, one that is big and one that's small. Okay. But here's the thing. Even though I feel like it works just fine, totally yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. It takes a long time for the water to come back to a boil after I drop in this block of frozen
1: noodles. Oh, that's fine. And
0: so I never know when to start the timer because... Because you don't want to cook udon very long. I don't
1: even think you need to use a timer. I think it's done once it's fully uh, unraveled.
0: That's very fast. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. No, I think I think. But like, have you
0: ever noticed that sometimes the middle is still like a little more cake oh, okay. um, so white?
1: Here's what I would do. I think we might have a like a kitchen trick here. Like <gasps> that we should send into Cooks Illustrated <gasps> magazine so they can draw do a little hand like pencil sketch of a it. A little hand sketch. Take it. Do you have like a pasta server like with with? Fingers coming out of it?
0: No. The closest thing I have is a spider.
1: Okay. Take something, something pokey, like a pair of, a pair of like cooking chopsticks. Okay. Once you throw into the pot, start poking it it and breaking it up. Okay. Like, and just keep doing that until it's fully broken up and the water seems at least hot and then it'll be done.
0: What if I can still see at the center of the noodle kind of an opaque little bit? Then
1: cook it a little longer. Okay. But it's not, but it's, it's like, it's fully cooked the fr- it's fully cooked and then frozen, so it's not. There shouldn't be like a like an al dente pasta center in there. Like, as, if it's heated through, it's done.
0: Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. What I'm probably seeing is a little part of it that's still not heated through.
1: Yeah. So, so definitely, it definitely is worth your time to, to like, break it up. Like, oh my be God, sure, I'm
0: really glad we talked about this. Yeah.
1: And like, as you're doing it, say, break it up, break it break up. Break it up.
0: Bre- hey, break it up, guys. Break it up.
1: Like, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever like, like gotten in between two kids fighting and like held out one, one arm in each direction, like holding them back? No. Me neither, but I want to <laughs> so bad. Um, I would get punched so much. You know,
0: it occurs to me, I need a pair of cooking chopsticks.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I I don't, I I don't actually I use, use mine that often, but uh, if I if I find some in my house, I'll give them oh, to man. you. Oh, man.
0: I think I would definitely use them because I don't really I'm want so glad you said that, one of those pasta things that you were describing. Yeah, I don't my, want
1: that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's wrong with my, my pasta
0: thing? I don't know why I would use it. I don't want it.
1: Wait, I mean, you would use it to break up an udon fight. But
0: that's all I would use
1: it for. I don't. I mean,
0: I use my tongs. For you you other- can use
1: tongs to break mm, up a noodle.
0: I could use tongs to break up a noodle fight, but I want. I want cooking chopsticks.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um. Because I'm glad you said that. Because when you said that, my thought process was, oh, I could get you some for Christmas, which is come still coming up at the time we're recording this. Mm-hmm. It's the it's goose over. Is getting you fat. blew it by the time you're listening to this. The goose is getting fat, and that reminded me that I have a present for you that's in the fridge that I'll give to you <sighs> after this okay. episode. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, I think we're done.
1: yeah, I think I think we're done. So,, uh, yeah, so for for like recipe ideas, definitely go to just one cookbook, but I will also include my recipe in the show notes. We'll link to uh, to Sonoko Sakai's book and website. like uh, it's not specifically dipping noodle related, but uh, but she certainly makes great dipping noodles with her homemade soba
0: mm-hmm. uh, and her mm-hmm. book is
1: great. And now, let's move on to segments.
0: Oh, man. We've got spilled mail today from Listener Colton, and this one is directed to me.
1: Do do you want to read it? Uh, No, you read it. Okay. Listener Colton writes... I tried one of Molly's old standby recipes yesterday, cacio e pepe. It was delicious, and the lunch leftovers today were just as good. But I have one question. How does Molly get the fossilized cheese out of this glass bowl afterwards? It was like a practical joke I played on myself. I haven't scrubbed a dish that hard in years, and I had to throw the sponge away afterwards.
0: Oh, listener Colton, I absolutely know this fossilized cheese problem. One thing I want to say is the recipe that you have used, which is on my old blog, jet mm-hmm. is ancient I think I got it out of gourmet magazine like yeah I remember making it in the apartment I lived in from 2002 to 2006 like okay yeah okay I do not use that recipe anymore I don't think it is the best one I'm glad that you liked it however I it is very difficult to clean fossilized cheese out of a bowl yeah I don't think that's the best way to go the recipe I use now is from the cookbook repertoire by Jessica Badalana. Uh, I think it's Fantastic! It results in fossilized cheese in a, uh, a skillet or sauté pan.
1: Is that better?
0: Okay, so what is better about it is that so assuming that you're not using a non-stick pan, right? Uh, you could use. But well, if you're bench... using a
1: non-stick pan, you you probably wouldn't have this problem. Maybe eh, maybe. maybe.
0: Uh, but you can use a bench scraper. So
1: oh, I, smart!
0: I have like a a stainless uh, like twelve inch sauté pan. And what I do is after we have served the cachoy pepe, I put a little bit of just a small amount of like hot water like just water mm-hmm. out of the kettle in the bottom of the skillet and let it sit there like while we're eating dinner and then I pour the water off it the cheese stays behind believe yeah. me and then I take just my bench scraper and scrape all the cheese out and scrape it directly into the compost
1: this this episode is rife with with kitchen tips
0: so I even have just like one of those metal bench scrapers I don't even have one of the like plastic dough scrapers that you you can I have use in a both. bowl. I imagine that the plastic dough scraper would be a bit more friendly on a variety of surfaces. But anyway, basically, the idea is you want to soften up the cheese with a little bit of hot water, pour off that hot water, and then scrape out that gooey cheese and then wash the the Okay,
1: cooking this is vessel. this is really helpful. I wish I had asked this question, but I get the benefit. Thank you, listener Colton, because I there are a couple of pasta recipes that are that are like my favorites. Not that I dislike your cacio e pepe recipe, but uh, like I make uh, what we call pasta bible pasta, which is uh pasta with like uh, scallions and and parmigiano reggiano and lots of butter um, mm. and parsley. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh and, and and an egg yolk which makes it extra sticky. Oh, yes. Um and uh, i love that i love salerno style spaghetti both of those make a cheesy crust onto the onto the pa- the pot to the extent that after dinner, I'm like, OK, this is my new job now mm-hmm. is is like for the rest of my career. I'm just going to be trying to get the cheese off of this pot. So I, I, I've never bench scraped it or or dough scraped it.
0: Use your best judgment when it comes to the surface of of the pot uh, and, and which tool you're going to use. But yeah, I mean, I use a, like a stainless bench scraper on a stainless pot. Does and that make great.
1: a horrifying noise? No, it okay. actually
0: doesn't. It actually doesn't. There inevitably are like little corners that you can't get in. Too. Mm-hmm. but the truth is is you've gotten enough of it and what's left behind is still quite soft okay because yeah I do not like to get all that crusty cheese on the sponge oh and that's
1: you, the worst you
0: do still get some crusty cheese on the sponge but not enough that you have to throw it away okay yeah
1: this is great so
0: there's there's my tip for you uh, listener Colton Thank you so much for writing in to ask. And yeah, try the Cachoe Pepe from Repertoire.
1: Can we tag this, this episode? Like, you know how sometimes we tag an episode not safe for June? Let's tag this one uh, MAU, uh, maybe actually useful.
0: Oh, maybe actually useful. Okay. okay. Uh, Matthew, do you have a now but wow for us?
1: Yes, I do. My Now But Wow is a book. It's, uh, it's a YA book called I'll Be The One by Lila Lee. And I feel like this is the third YA book I've read recently that involves either K-pop or Japanese idols. I think uh, we can call this a, uh, a trend or a mini-genre, and I approve. In this one, the main character is Star Shin, who gets onto a reality show competition to become the next K-pop star. Yes. So, uh, which is super fun. So you've got like uh, like built in conflict and tension, and she has to navigate fat phobia, family relationships, and first love along the way. I really enjoyed this book. I think it's probably my favorite of the K-pop or Japanese idol related books that I've read recently. But I love them all. Nice. Um, one of them, I did another one as, as a now, but wow. It was, it was the one by, it's just not coming to me. Okay. But you know what? It's, uh, it's out there. It's out there. Um, so this one, anyway, this one is I'll Be the One by Lila Lee. Highly recommend it.
0: Fantastic. Well, our producer, as always, is Abby Circatella.
1: Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And you can also chat with other spilled milk listeners on our subreddit. That is at H sorry, I'm not gonna give the whole HTP. No, no, TV it's day. it's <laughs> PS
1: <H-T-T-P-S- laughs> colon slash slash
0: reddit.com slash R slash everything spilled milk.
1: All right. So yeah. So let's let's read that URL again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, sorry okay
1: first uh open a open a new tab in your internet <laughs> browser it could be chrome firefox maybe maybe brave uh <laughs> quant quant is mm-hmm. is that real or did you just make it up
0: no quant is um is one that I, that uh i learned about from oh my god what was the the documentary thing about Facebook is Uh, it
1: oh is this like a privacy focused browser yeah okay that's what brave is also I haven't tried it okay great because because I (laughs) because I love
0: (laughs) you love having your your stuff stolen
1: (laughs) uh yeah well it's more I'm I'm really more about the undermining democracy part personally that's what I care about everybody
0: loves to undermine democracy these (laughs) days Uh, uh and until next time thank you for listening to spilled milk the show that's just going around to all the butchers counters asking for thinly sliced Pork belly for hot pots. Yeah,
1: just like Pope brings something up and says, <laughs> and say, Can you shave this?
0: I'm Molly Weisenberg.
1: And I'm Matthew Amsterburton. Ooh.
0: Oh, Matthew, why did you have to mention undermining democracy <laughs> at the end of
1: the show? We're a couple of dips, and you can dip us in anything you want.